Welcome to Convention Center Podcast, brought to you by the Myrtle Beach Convention Center, where we discuss the new direction and evolution of the industry. Hi, this is your host, Tiffany Andrews, and you're listening to the Convention Center Podcast. Today's guest is Myra Starnes, the owner of Leisure Time Unlimited, as well as an event producer and show organizer. Also with us today is Scott Tomaselia. Now, he is the tournament director for the Myrtle Beach World AM. Scott, let's start out with you. Please give us like a brief background to the audience to share what Myrtle Beach World AM 19th whole event is and the significance it brings to the city of Myrtle Beach. Yeah, so the tournament, uh, the event started in 1984 uh, before there really ever was a 19th hole, but it kind of evolved into this giant social golf gathering um so everybody would play golf by morning and then we would have this beautiful place to aggregate at night and share stories uh eat food drink do whatever we really could do to bring everybody together so this has been going on for 40 years now um it's become a huge part of this community um like i said 1984 was the first year i think myra might know the first year we actually started coming to the convention center maybe maybe um 86 yeah so before it was, when it was a little smaller we didn't need the space but as we grew and as the event got bigger um, golfers coming from all over the world we needed a place to hang out and uh, between anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 guests coming through for four nights of uh, food drink and fun now that's great so as a destination and Mara you may be able to add more to this particular question, but as a destination, were we ready to see exactly how big this particular event would grow? Well, I think that was the initial purpose was when DuPont came and started the event. Uh, It was um, to bring people in to play golf and actually DuPont put Myrtle Beach on the world map, the golf did, and the World Am brought people from all over um, the United States and Europe and other countries to play that had never heard of Myrtle Beach. And it definitely affected, you know, people came and they bought property here and I think they come back, what, three to five times a year? Um, And it just added to our off-season growth and it's, you know, I don't think people realize how much just even with the convention center that the golf brought people here in the off season there were a lot of people that were meeting planners that at that point didn't really want to come here because we you know we were not a full season and all the services they needed were not full season but what happened was um the presidents and ceos of this big corporations and people that were on boards said, we want to come to Myrtle Beach. So the meeting planners said, okay, and they came. And, but it was the golf that really did it. Plus, the convention center has such really good service and stuff. I mean, it's to the level of any place in the United States, um, and even better in a lot of places. Okay, number one, you guys' event was, is very, very unique because it's like a twofer. It's indoors and outdoors. And anytime you're in, no matter where you are, whenever it's like hurricane seasons, that brings on another level of what are we going to do in the event of bad weather. Now, obviously, hurricane, that's not bad weather. That's like a big deal. So what were the challenges 
that you all just recently faced, which had to be very nerve wracking because you wanted to provide safety for your players, the people they brought with them, um, your staff, and also the city that was held. So what challenges were faced or early on did you guys decide, well, how do we assemble a team and execute things flawlessly to make sure things went on without a hitch? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, this event was designed to drive tourism in a time where maybe we weren't going to receive that economic impact. So for starters, we're used to this. This is hurricane season. We recognize the challenges and we recognize the possible factors that could come into play. Um, and we're willing to take that risk, of course, if we can do it safely, of course. Um, but when when a storm comes about, I think our challenge is just to be prepared. I, I always joke with our team that if you have to put in all the work ahead of time, the actual event week is not that difficult as long as you've put in the work previously. Of course, there's still plenty of things to do, but if you have a plan, and Myra drills this into me every day of, you know, <laughs> what happens if what happens if and it goes down all the way to plan l like it's just as far down the line as you possibly can of what could happen and i think as long as you've done that then typically those pivots can come a lot easier yeah also what happened this time was i mean we have to have the corporation of the city and the convention center and there are lots of places and i've done events all over the United States that um, they just do a lot of places whatsoever easy 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 for them. The convention center had to work with Scott. Uh, We had to instead of making a really fast decision let's close everything down and we had thousands of people here that didn't get to play a couple days. They wanted to come at night and you know instead of making a, a, a solid decision they really were very professional and the convention center stepped up and said hey you know uh, we will let's kind of hedge our bet and see what we've got and that is not something that you find in a lot of situations now you mentioned decisions so what were some of like the key decisions that were made to ensure the safety along with communication of those that were here? Yeah, from a safety aspect, when we were talking to the city, um, one of the key aspects that came about was that their labor staff was not required to come into work if they didn't feel safe. Um, So a lot of that conversation was the city talking to their employees to say who's willing to come in um, and, and of those people, are they critical to the success of the event? And a lot of that had to do with security staff um, a lot of um, uh, economical, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, some of the, the cleanup, some of the AV. So, I mean, there's a lot of staff that makes this event happen, but some are more critical than others. And the main one is the city services. And what I liked most is that the city did not have to have those employees come about, but they did um, because this building is kind of like a safe haven. I mean, uh, some places are less uh, safe than others and this this building is somewhat of a fortress when it comes to hurricanes case in point the power went out on Wednesday night and within <laughs> 10 seconds uh, generators kicked on nobody panicked nobody moved and it's like we're back in business so that was minor moment but uh, it all worked out well you know we're actually designed as a shelter but 
you know, there were other places that were built during that time, I mean, to accommodate that. So it always feels safe to work here. When we look at like coordinating efforts with your stakeholders and during the time of emergencies, what particular measures really stood out that seeing the convention center and um, the Sheraton Hotel work with you all through the process? So what did, as a facility and as a hotelier, where was the sparkle? Like, what were those things you like, gosh, we're glad that we were able to like make this happen. Well, the attitudes were phenomenal. I mean, when you've got that much pressure on you and you want to make sure that everybody's safe, 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 you know, it doesn't take but a few bad, we did not, I did not experience one bad attitude. And um, everybody stepped up, everybody wanted to make it do. And as the hurricane went from hurricane to tropical to, a heavy storm to a light storm, you know, it all came out in the wash, but I don't think we could have done it without, um, for the 19th hole, um, the attitudes. I mean, that's just, when, you, when you're in the middle of thousands of people and you're trying to get everything to work, and you've got basically business partners that are stepping up and doing, I mean, it just is phenomenal. Sometimes you can't even find that when there's no problem. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with that we had a, we try to hire locally when possible, but a lot of these folks are coming into town from other places and those folks are going to be here and I mean, it's, they're here to work. Um, they want to make everybody look good because we, when we look good, they look good. And if we make a decision in a vacuum, it reflects on everybody. So when we're talking to some of these vendors um, and who wants to stick around, who's who's going to leave town because of X, Y, or Z, nobody really wants to because they want it's a team effort. If, if one person doesn't want to, it kind of falls apart. But um, everybody everybody was happy to keep going. And that is not normal in, the, in this business. Well, what is pretty interesting, and I know that we kind of like really dove into what happened, but in the perfect world, and I know people really want to know this information, from a planner standpoint, an event organizer standpoint, who ideally, who should come to the table first to say, hey, there's something that's about to happen. It can affect your guests, your players, all of that. Is it better? Should you reach out first to the municipality or to um, uh, the emergency response, or would you want them ideally to come to you? Who, who makes the first step? I think that's kind of case dependent on your event. I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I guess in our scenario, it was whoever feels uncomfortable. Um, you know, in our scenario, both of us felt like a, a conversation needed to be had. I mean, it, it was obvious that something needed to be talked about. Um, but whether it's weather or any, any circumstance, I think as soon as somebody in the room feels the need to speak up, you need to speak up. Uh, fortunately, relationships are a key part of that it, you're way more comfortable in speaking up when you have a good relationship and we've been here 40 years so that becomes really easy um, but if you're not comfortable and you don't say anything it's only going to get worse at any time did you hear feedback from your players as to how you handled the situation yeah um, <laughs> the feedback was plentiful um from a golf aspect, we heard about it more because at the end of the day, this is a golf tournament. So we actually heard a lot more feedback on the golf side of things. We did have to cancel the golf. That was not something we could avoid um, because it was an outdoor thing. But the nighttime, the fact that we kept going with the, with the functions, 
was huge. Um, one of the benefits of being here at the convention center in Myrtle Beach and the Sheraton is that the hotel is adjacent to the building. So we've got thousands of guests staying at the hotel who never have to leave the building who can just walk downstairs and have a great time. So for those folks, folks specifically, anybody planning a, uh, an event, when you look at facilities that have that type of um, space set up, it's, it's vital for something like this. And the attitude was just over the top. I mean, you didn't have people freaking out. You didn't, I mean, from top level management down, we just, everybody was just all hands on deck and let's make it work. Now, we actually mentioned that, you know, everyone played their, their role. It was a very, um, it was a team atmosphere between, you know, all stakeholders, but what new item did you have to pivot to do? Actually, we already had plans put in place, and we certainly reached out to all our food vendors um, and double-checked to make sure, and, you know, you might hear something on television that's totally different than what's really going to happen. They may say everything's closed when it's not. So we wanted to make sure that, and then... Uh, the vendors, I mean, we went around and we talked to the vendors and, uh, you know, told them about plans that we had um, when they asked. And um, basically kind of... Yeah, the, the changes that could have been made did not need to be made. I think some that were talked about were pivoting the hours or canceling entirely or uh, 86ing a certain aspect of the show. So there were certain things that got... Uh, canceled within the function itself, um, such as like one of our celebrity guests had to catch a flight out of town, or um, you know a, a certain game was not available because a circuit broke from the power outage. It's just little things, but the planning that was ahead of time of the changes that could have been instituted, fortunately, never had to because, like I said, everybody was on board as a team. But I think the main thing that I noticed was our security aspect because. That's probably the most critical for our event is when can we let people in the building and get them out of the rain. I think that was our main thing. We had to open the doors an hour earlier just so they weren't standing outside because everybody's anxious to get into the building. Now, Scott, as a tournament director, you know, reflecting on the experience, what advice would you give to another event um, producer or city that may be facing weather-related challenges? I think the biggest thing is not to overreact, but at the same time, be able to make a decision. So timely communication and not overreacting. So of course, I think it goes without saying, you can't operate in a vacuum. You have to have all the key stakeholders at the table in order to make decisions, but you can't strictly react based on feedback. You can't strictly react based on what so-and-so is telling you. You need to talk collaboratively, um, but most importantly, stick with your decision. I think you can. we can go back and forth and say, did we make a good decision here or there, But at the end of the day, we needed to get that information out in a timely manner so that other people can make their decisions. Myra, what about you? What experience, I mean, what feedback can you provide to other folks to say, hey, this is the advice I would give you being hands-on, I just experienced this, this is top of mind? Well, I think plan A, B, C, D, and E before you ever get started is good, but I really think a lot of it is what venue you're in because I mean, we've done events all over the United States and there are definitely different attitudes in different venues. I really cannot, and not just because I'm here, but I can't say enough about, I mean, it started at City Council, City Hall, 
all the way down to um, the convention center that they stepped up. They didn't add to the problem. They helped solve the problem and they were willing to kind of hedge the bed a little bit. Does that make sense? Because we really didn't have super bad weather after it was all the scary part came along and then we did the other, but that, that plan A, B, C, and D, if this happens, what are we gonna do if this happens? It works. You might not ever use those, but you're certainly very glad that you've got them in place if something happens. Scott, how do you keep the momentum of um, excitement, you know, for people just not feeling like, gosh, this was a bust. So what did you do to keep the momentum and keep people really happy? Because, you know. Yeah, a lot of it was social media. Um, That is helpful for us. We kind of paint a picture of what happened and we tried to of course you know make it appear that it was a fantastic week without the weather of you know people did have a great time don't get me wrong but you want to focus on the positive it's easy in a customer service world to focus on the 10 percent of the negative but you can't do that you got to see the 90 percent positive and, and we try to do that through social media uh, which has been a good friend to us um, but you know to keep moving forward we just talk about those 90 percent positive and we take their feedback and keep and keep building off of it but you still have to look at that 10 percent and say okay if they're right about something what can we do to make it better and then you immediately make those changes now one of my questions was really going to be like moving forward houses experience like shape the planning and execution of the world's am 19th hole and other events but it sounds as if you guys had like checked all the boxes no not, i wouldn't say that <laughs> i mean I, just... I well that's the if you did ask the question one thing i think that we would change moving forward is the how we communicate so it's easy for me to talk to myra it's easy for me to talk to the city but when you talk about the consumer and all parties involved it's difficult to get the right word to the right people so for instance we've got three thousand customers we have 100 vendors we have 20 restaurants, we have 200 volunteers, each needing to be communicated with in a different manner. And that's one thing I think we learned that we could do better is effectively communicating to each person that the particulars that are that they need to know. It's not good to send a message about who's going to serve chicken at this station when it's talking about 3,000 customers. So knowing what message to say quickly to the right people is something we're going to work on next year. Because that Right, even in the workplace, that is one of the things that we're, I mean, so communication, we're challenged with that across all spectrums of like, what's the easiest way for that person to consume it, who you're reaching, what information they need. That was one good thing that the convention center did is you knew who to communicate with. We had their cell numbers, we had everything so we could reach out and touch them and they were there. I mean, you needed to double check something, they didn't get upset because you're double checking, double checking, double checking. Um, some places do, but I just really think that I don't mean to brag about the convention center, but I am just so proud of the work they did and the fact that they just stepped up. They didn't add to the, to the, what do you call it? The fear? The fear or add to the, the bags we had to tote that were heavy. Um, and I think, um, that's one of the things because we do a lot of other events here and uh, compared to a lot of other cities um it's like day and night you you had asked earlier about you know um uh, 
tips to give other meeting planners. And we were talking beforehand about um, aviation. And one of the things that they teach people in aviation is to have not have certain attitudes. And one of those attitudes in a negative sense is resignation. And as a meeting planner, sometimes you can get overwhelmed um, and everything's coming at you all at once and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to react if you've never been put in a certain situation. And resignation is one of the most hazardous attitudes you can have. Oh, well, you know, screw this. I'm, I'm out. I can't handle it. I can't do this. That is just a feeling that you need to overcome in whatever format that you can. But resignation is one that I think is too quick for certain meeting planners to have that feeling and causes people to either cancel the event or make a bad decision. And at the end of the day, you're going to affect a lot of people by these decisions. So just trying to avoid those negative attitudes and outlooks can really make a difference. And that resignation, if you get that from the people that are you're paying to be in their facility and getting it from your clients and you're getting it from those people, and if you're getting it from the city and you're getting then that just adds to what you can carry and then you just give up a lot of times some people do but it was just fantastic to see it go boom 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 that sounds like a drum roll <laughs> i know okay you all appear to be an excellent team and it's clear to me you've worked together for years and you care about the organization as a whole if you had to say and this has nothing to do with your team member scott but who have you found to be your biggest support when supporter when it comes to navigating through this space so you obviously got people with the city with the mayor and, and financial support and you've got the convention center but myra and her group so when i first got to this um, tournament i knew i knew everything about golf but i knew nothing about meeting planning i knew nothing about events so we brought Myra in to be that liaison to help fill those voids because I'm not gonna sit here and tell you I know everything about everything, I'm far from it. And there are certain people in our buildings that know certain things, but it's important to ask questions, learn from other entities and bring in people from outside because you're never gonna know it all. In 40 years, we still don't, but bringing in outside entities is gonna really help um, the overall success. Myra, how does that make you feel? Makes me feel good. Um, DuPont was actually one of my biggest clients and helped my company grow. And um, that's our methodology is to have plan A, B, C, and D. And you really are kind of wasting time on the other plans. However, if you need it, you thank God you got it. Well, this is awesome. I would like to definitely say thank you, Scott and Myra, for being our studio guests today. Uh, this is Tiffany Andrews, your host of the Convention Center podcast. Thank you for listening and please share with your friends. And as always, it's cool to be kind.